Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. This week, we are offering a range of conversations from our coverage during the International Liver Congress 2022 and from this week's Surfing Nash wrap-up episode. In this conversation, Stephen Harrison shares the results of the Phase 3 Maestro Naffold 1 trial for resmitarone, a trial whose primary endpoint is safety and whose secondary endpoints include review of several biomarkers and different types of scans. He also shares some results from an analysis of cirrhotic patients, including the open-label cohort of this study. Phase 3 Maestro Naffold 1 was extremely well received at the meeting because it appeared to provide positive results. ILC 2022 covered a vast array of issues around drug development, non-invasive testing and patient screening and treatment, and the entire process of provider-patient communications. On each topic, there were conversations that can enlighten every fatty liver stakeholder and promise a more optimistic future for us all. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. We got a lot of papers to go through. I'd like to invite Stephen to start because, you know, it was interesting at the press conference on Friday where they talked about the major NAFL papers. They had Stephen there to talk about something he was presenting, and then they had Scott Harris from Altimune to talk about something else that Stephen was presenting because Stephen, I think the rule is you can't talk about two papers at that conference, right? So it, since two of them were papers you were presenting, Scott did the other one. I'd like to make sure we have time to cover both of those, although I don't necessarily think we want to go for a second. But why don't we start with Resmeteron since I think that was probably the biggest story of the conference. Stephen Harrison. Sure. I, I did three oral presentations for Resmetarome, and Yorn did one very elegant presentation that uh, perhaps he, he would want to talk about on screening the population for the Maestro Nash trial and the role of FIB4. But just starting at the top, the late breaker was on one of the phase three trials, what we call the Maestro NAFLD1 trial, which is a double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trial of 80 or 100 milligrams of resmetarone versus placebo. And there was also an open label 100 milligram arm. So you didn't have to have a liver biopsy to get in. You had to have a FibroScan KPA greater than or equal to 5.5, but less than or equal to 8.5, a cap of greater than or equal to 280, and an MRI PDFF of at least 10%. So at the end of the trial, the primary endpoint is safety. And having said that, there were several key secondary endpoints that we looked at to include atherogenic lipids and certain MRI characteristics, as well as FibroScan, both cap and KPA. So a couple points that I want to make, and, and we could go into this study quite in quite some detail, but the reporting was close to 1,200 patients. There was also a open-label cirrhotic, well-compensated cirrhotic arm that we added to the protocol that I gave a separate oral presentation on. So I'll talk about that separately in a minute. But the important aspect of the study was that the drug was safe and well-tolerated. In, in over 1,200 patients treated for one year with 80 or 100 milligram versus placebo. In fact, if you look at treatment emergent adverse events, there was no difference between the two doses or placebo. There was no difference in the grades of severity of these adverse events or the number of serious adverse events. The discontinuation rate was very low in the general overall due to adverse events, 1.2%, 1.2%. And numerically, there was just a, a couple differences between 80, 100, and placebo. I think it was five dropouts 
for the 80, six for the 100, and two for placebo. The dropouts for the drug-treated groups were, were intermittent loose stools or diarrhea, but interestingly, they could still be mild, and the patient chose not to continue IP. The two placebos were nausea and vomiting, I believe. When we look at key secondary endpoints, uh, statistically significant reductions in atherogenic lipids, LDL, ApoB, triglycerides, and lipo-a. When we look at MRI, there was about a 49% overall reduction in PDFF, or liver fat content, at week 16. And at week 50, it was roughly the same. And I remember Mazen asked me a question about this uh, at, at the late breaker, saying, what did I make of the fact that there was not a, a big difference? And, you know, it was consistent with what we showed in the phase two trial. The biggest drop in PDFF occurs in the first 12 weeks, in this case, 16 weeks, and it was maintained over the course of the trial. There's a caveat to this that I think is worth mentioning. And I did mention it at the late breaker session, and that is that the Maestro NAFLD program was enrolled in the height of the COVID pandemic. And while there was no difference in the dropout rate between the groups, there was some some dropouts that occurred. But more importantly, the average time that patients missed doses was two months out of a 12-month study. Patients missed doses. Now, if they were in the open label arm, the 100 milligram open label arm, they did not miss doses. Why? Because it's open label. They're just given a bottle of pills and they just take them. Whereas in the double-blind randomized part, they were blister packs. And the problem was in the manufacturing of those blister packs. So preference was given to supply and demand on the Maestro Nash program, the registration trial. And if you're open label, you just got a bottle of pills. So what was sacrificed, if you will, for the sake of making sure Maestro Nash did not have IP discontinuation was the Maestro NAFLD 1 program. So the 80 and the 100 milligram double blind arms had an average of two months worth of missed doses. So you can see when you look at atherogenic lipid reduction or even potentially PDFF reduction that there might have been some difference because of that. The other thing that stood out in this trial was that there was about a 20% liver volume reduction and you can actually apply a correction factor to liver volume reduction that gives you an even accentuated PDFF response. In the 100 milligram dose, we measured every one of those patients' liver volume and applied the correction factor, actually about 61% average or mean PDFF reduction in the open label 100 milligram arm. There was also, we did a responder analysis for MR elastography, but even without a responder analysis, MRE straight up significantly different comparing drug to placebo. The responder analysis set the threshold at 19% for MR elastography because that's the Kiba data showing the coefficient of variance for MR elastography being 19%. So in that particular case, twice as many people, about a quarter, actually had improvement above 19% in MRE compared to placebo and half less in the drug-treated groups worsened their MR elastography compared to placebo. And there was, for FibroScan, we did two ways to cut the responder analysis. We looked at a change of at least two KPA, improvement and worsening. And there you see a dose-response relationship that was significant between open label, 100 milligram double-blind, 80 milligram double-blind, and placebo. And also when we did a relative change of 30%, again, thinking what the coefficient of variance is for FibroScan being relatively large, there was a similar dose-response relationship in the FibroScan responder analysis. So ALT, AST, Gamma-GT all significantly reduced as well. And there were, believe it or not, some stat-sig improvements in systolic and diastolic blood pressure. So all in all, I think the take-home point was there was no bad news from Maestro NAFLD-1, and it did meet its primary
primary endpoint with all the key secondary endpoints under hierarchical control having statistical significance as well. That's the late breaker. Quickly moving on to the open label serotic extension or open label arm. This was presented in a parallel session. So again, same construct as Maestro NAFLD-1. The only thing different is 105 patients were enrolled that I'm reporting on. There were a total of 180. There's a second part to the open label serotic arm because of a slight break in enrollment where we added some additional measurements to the last cohort. We actually added HEPQUANT, so a quantitative assessment of uh, liver function was added to the last 75 patients. So I won't talk about those. I'll talk about the 105 enrolled first. And a couple interesting things here. The only difference between the Maestro NAFL 1 protocol design and this open label arm is at week two, we did PK assessment as well as sex hormone binding globulin assessment, which is a marker of target engagement. All patients were given 80 milligram of drug up front, and based on PK assessment and SHBG assessment at week two, we could raise the dose to 100 milligrams. About 15 of the 105 patients did raise the dose to 100 milligrams. So this was a population you would expect to have well-compensated cirrhosis. Mean age was about 63, 64% female, 71% diabetic. AST-ALT ratio around one with an ALT of 40 and an AST of 39. Platelet count was 158. MR elastography mean 5.74. Fiber scan and KPA mean 24, and FIB4 mean 2.9. So all consistent with a well-comp population. Albumin, 4.2. Again, consistent with well-compensated disease. The next slide I showed that I thought was probably one of the most provocative of the entire presentation, we broke the study population, 105 patients, into three different cohorts. Number one, baseline liver fat less than 5%, baseline liver fat greater than 8%, and those in the middle between less than 5 and 8%. And what we found was that as you go from fatty liver to mild fatty liver to no fatty liver, there's a worsening in indices of portal hypertension. Platelet counts get worse. ASTs get, get higher. AST-LT ratios worsen. MELD scores go up. MR elastography scores go up. And spleen volumes actually get higher. So when we looked at treatment, there was a couple different ways that we looked at this. First of all, on MR proton density fat fraction, there was about a 36% relative reduction in liver fat content greatest in those that had fat in their liver versus those that didn't. That that makes complete sense. When we look at liver volume reduction, it was around 20%. Interestingly, it was 16% at week 16 and it was 20% at week 52. So they continued to improve liver volume. When we look at spleen volume, we did a responder analysis because the coefficient of variance of spleen volumes is kind of all over the map. But we looked at those that had a 10% worsening or improvement. And we showed that around, I think it was 25 or 30% of the patients on drug actually had greater than a 10% improvement in spleen volume. And then we did a correlation between liver volume reduction and spleen volume reduction. And we showed a, a Pearson coefficient of around 0.5 as a correlation. So very good correlation between liver volume reduction, spleen volume reduction, maybe more importantly, an 
inverse association with platelet count. So platelet count actually went up when you reduce liver volume and spleen volume. Again, I don't know what to make of that. It was an observation. It's innovative. We don't have anything really to fall back on here. The only thing I could find in the literature, there was a study looking at platelet spleen volume ratios showing that that was highly correlated with high-risk varices. And we also know that when you use a vasodilator like terlipressin or actreotide midodrine, you can actually, and the data is a little bit all over the map, but in some of those patients, there's actually a reduction in spleen volume that's linked to a reduction in varices or at least bleeding varices. But again, these are early days and we're not really sure what to make of it. Obviously, there was also a benefit in atherogenic lipid reduction consistent with the way the drug works and liver chemistry tests improved. Maybe equally important, it was safe and well-tolerated in this well-compensated population. So take-home messages from this group was that in addition to the safety and tolerability, that we were moving non-invasive tests in a way that made us feel like something positive was happening relative to maybe some early portal hypertensive changes. Albeit we didn't do endoscopy, we didn't do HVPG measurements. But I think there's enough data there to inform the new phase three trial being launched called Maestro Outcomes, which is enrolling over 700 patients looking at an outcome measure in well-compensated child's pew patients. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the contents of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with our final ILC 22 wrap-up, Scott Friedman and Neil Henderson discussing some of the basic science issues from the meeting. Please join us for all that. Until then, stay safe and surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.